0: Hey, everybody, welcome to Nothing Off Limits. Uh, I've been thinking about you, all of you. You know, I get those maps that show me where the downloads are happening. And I've got you guys in the U.S., across the pond in the U.K., all across Europe, in Australia, South America. I mean, wherever you've continued to listen to me, thank you. Um, But anyway, you know, I realized that life has been happening and, you know, some death, too, unfortunately. Um, I lost my mom back in July, so it's been quite the year. Um, but, you know, you look at the calendar and you go, whoa, time has also been happening. And um, as I was thinking about you, my listeners, and the show, which I launched in 2016, you know, you look back and you think, wow, I've had some Really great guests and some really interesting and some frankly helpful and useful information so far. And yeah, I'm saying so far because just because life happened and just because death happened, uh, that doesn't mean I'm not happening. The podcast is happening. I am happening in your ear right now. Happening. So, I thought I'd share the best of the best, my selects, my picks, whatever you want to call it, top of the, the game, ding dong, I'm watching the new season of Glow Up right now, so ding dong, um, my ding dong picks of NOL, and by the way, ladyfoxentertainment.com is now under construction, so you're going to hear it mentioned in my old intro and outro, which I I definitely want to use because it's... Now classic. (laughs) Uh, But it'll be up again soon, under renovation, okay? Enjoy. Do you like to learn about random wild stuff? You know, the things you didn't think you needed to know about, then realize you should. And welcome to Nothing Off Limits, the podcast that gives you one place to go for something different. Impress your next party guest with your unusual body of knowledge. And if you dig the show, get more information at LadyFoxEntertainment.com and subscribe, rate, or review. Thanks. No, actually,
1: sommeliers would die on their job very often. What? Yeah, because they they were the people in charge of tasting wine to make sure it wasn't poison.
0: Oh, God.
1: And uh, you could imagine if there was a noble man in Europe that was a particularly hated one uh, and had a lot of people that wanted to kill him, uh, the psalm would be the first to go. (gasps) Oh my
0: god! (laughs) It's like a built-in bodyguard.
1: Right. Luckily, luckily today we don't have to do that anymore. But uh, but yeah, it's a very ancient, it's a very ancient, traditional and official qualification that started in Europe in the 1500s.
0: That was Diego Miravilha. He is a psalm. He's someone I know personally. It was one of my favorite shows to do because at the time and still to this day, I am really into wine. Um, and Diego actually taught me quite a few things about wine, about how it doesn't need to be snobby, how it's just coming from dirt. Um, take a listen to the episode. It's going to teach you a lot. It's still relevant to this day, very useful if you're interested at all. In learning more about winemaking, take a listen. It's all over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Blueberry. Uh, Look it up, Diego Miraviglia. Why Wine is Seriously Way Cooler Than Beer. That's the episode title. And now let's take a turn to another popular episode of mine. This one got a lot of downloads, and I got a lot of emails about this one. Jessica J., dirty talk. And so what if a guy is, is like, okay, so I've established rapport with this girl, but I feel really uncomfortable and awkward saying dirty things. Like, how do you help a guy get more comfortable with expressing himself in that way?
2: Okay. So a lot of guys think that when it comes to dirty talk, they have to say something Borderline demeaning or super filthy like my big fat cock and your <laughs> super wet pussy. They just think that they have to be as vulgar as possible. And really, what dirty talk is, it's it's veering away from the norm of our expected relationship to go into something that establishes that I desire you. And I want you to desire me too. that's Mm -hmm. the only difference. So saying something as simple as when I'm texting you and you tell me, oh, I'm in a meeting right now. I can't really text. And you say something like, oh my God, I bet you're wearing that super fine outfit that makes your ass look great. That's, that's not filthy, you know, Right. right. (laughs) but that's saying like, I am imagining you in a way that is not okay for your business meeting. It's something Mm. as subtle as that. (laughs) <laughs> you're giggling too yeah. I want to know why Michelle yeah
0: because if I got that I mean I would chuckle in the middle of the mating you know what I mean
2: exactly you yeah. would have a reaction yeah You would have a reaction because that's what happens when we are specific and particular to the people we're speaking with. And that's what's going to happen, guys, when you are specific to the women you're speaking with. It's like when you go to Starbucks and you give them your name and when they call your name, you immediately go running, right? That's Mm -hmm. exactly what you're going to get from women when you are consistent and treating her special from any other woman out there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Moving on to the next one. One of my top picks was Deandra Brand, Metaphysical Healer. I had started having a lot of awareness around people sucking my energy, um, bringing me into a funk or, you know, and I would be in this funk for some time. Um, And I felt like I was attracting it because I was in a super high vibrational phase of my life at the time. And so I sought some assistance with that on how to protect myself against this kind of person. And I learned quite a bit from Deandra, and uh, hopefully you do too. I worked with another healer. She talked about how sometimes people put cords, and so like psychic cords, and so they almost like latch onto you. And I've heard of the term hooks. Now you used a different term with me, implants, and then I saw something online called nails and so these are all really intense terms of ways people can latch onto you energetically tell us more about these different ways that vampires can latch onto you
3: okay so we've to start off there's different energetic fields around everyone everything okay. and they connect differently so sometimes it can be a cord and uh, not all cords are bad mm-hmm. but cords are just connections and it can be a simple ritual-like thing. You just cut the cord, and it's you go your separate ways, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it gets a little more complicated, and there are nails or etheric weapons in the field that's a little wow. deeper in the field, and you sort of have to use certain energies to remove those weapons or nails. Uh, sometimes it can be implants. So for me, implants mean on a – deeper energetic field, uh, they are buried into the body like a parasite or a tick.
0: Ah. Now, this next pick is definitely lighter material, um, but still actually very helpful, educational, just done with a comedic twist and rapper, um, Tony Woe. She was amazing. Um, we're still connected on Instagram, and her son's actually a very successful comedian as well. And uh, she explains the hierarchy of whoredom when we start talking about like side pieces, and what is a side piece and cheating? And it, I was doing this whole it was like a, a slew of episodes about infidelity. So Tony Woe was one of my favorite guests. She's fabulous. Have a listen to the full episode, but here's a snippet. Are these the different types of side pieces, or are there additional ones?
3: There are. Side piece is the overall, it's like the the corporation. And in any corporation, there are departments. And certain departments have certain names. And they have certain duties. And they have their place. So I created what I call the hierarchy of whoredom. (laughs) And... (laughs) The hierarchy of boredom is what what position you are. If you're a side piece, it's your position within that situationship. And under those positions, there are types and categories. The dying piece is a woman who is actually, who everyone thinks is the side chick. That's that's the actual persona that everyone says, oh, she's the side chick, she's the side chick. No, the dying piece is a, Side piece who is all about money. Uh, women like her come a dime a dozen. And she's not worth a dime. <laughs> she's not worth a dime.
0: But she's got the title. And
3: she is all about that coin. She is so all about that coin. Finally. The cleanup woman. She is usually someone that they know. That they've had, you know, some, maybe a friendship or maybe they were in a past relationship. She does not want that guy. She does not want him. They mm-hmm. hook up. When there's, you know, when he has no one else to turn to and maybe she wants to pay back her boyfriend or her husband, Mm. they'll hook up. But you probably won't ever know about her. You probably won't. But she just comes in to clean up, get everything in order, get his head right so he can go back to doing whatever it was he was doing before.
0: I loved that show. I encourage you to listen to the whole thing, because there are more departments within the hierarchy of whoredom that you all should learn about and be aware of. So thank you again, Tony Woe, for coming on my show. Another top pick of mine is Rudy Sarzo. He was the bassist for bands like White Snake, Quiet Riot, and Ozzy Osbourne. Here, in this snippet, he talks about managers. Check it out.
1: I have been very blessed to have worked with some of the greatest and people that, that were, were incredibly fair with me. I think uh, I, I definitely at the top of my list will be Sharon Osbourne. When we were, when I was working, you know, when I was a member of Ozzy, I mean, she looked after the band, you know, yeah. that was, you know, it, she looked, you know, she took as much care, great care of Randy, Tommy, myself, And later on that area, as she did with Ozzy, you know, with Ozzy, in those days, it was pretty much kind of like an intervention every single day. (laughs) Yeah. You know, keep, you know, to keep him on the, uh, on the straight and narrow as Mm. much as she could, you know. Mm -hmm. But as as far as everything else, man, you know, she, she took incredible care. She's like Den Mama. Absolutely. Absolutely. Big time. And that's, you know, that's major part of her success, you know, attention to detail
0: amazing attention to detail. Hmm. How about we talk about narcissism? Without further ado, my cherry pick of all, the best of the best, the finest of the finest, the elusive, yet strangely charming, self-proclaimed psychopath. My highest downloaded episodes, there were two of them. I still continue to get messages about this useful, highly useful information across all areas of your life, your family, your co-workers, your friends. HG Tudor. Not every narcissist is the same exact type. So tell us about these levels and maybe a few distinguishable traits of each level.
4: Certainly. In order to enable people to understand what they're dealing with, um, I categorize um, narcissist into three schools. So you have the lesser, the mid-range, and the greater, and then you have four cadres, which layer on top of that. Dealing with the schools first, the lesser narcissist is quite easy to spot, a rudimentary individual with low cognitive function, tends to use violence uh, in a physical sense in order to exert control, also sexual violence, has a very low threshold on the control of their fury, and therefore regularly explodes, often injuring people, damaging property. There are subdivisions within each school, but within essentially the lesser, uh, they tend to have hazard employment, uh, unless they're an upper lesser, whereby they're reasonably successful. They have a bullying nature. (laughs) They have absolutely no awareness of what they are. They have no insight. And their approach to life is very much, if you don't agree with me, you're a fucking idiot. Mm -hmm. And if you were to say to that person, why you've adopted that approach, they'll say, because I say so. And they don't feel any need to explain themselves to anybody. And They're the type of individuals that will come along and say, yes, I've got a car like that, but mine's better. And they almost become a bit of a caricature, really, of a narcissist, because they're so blatant. And unless you have the misfortune to be enveloped in an entanglement with one whereby you're suffering from violence from them, et cetera. If you happen to be friends with the lesser narcissist, they actually become quite cartoon-like in their behavior. Uh, they tend to think everybody likes them, but generally people roll their eyes or actually fear them because of the uh, vitriolic and furious temper that they often exhibit. Yeah. The mid-range narcissist uh, also does not know what he or she is, has no insight. And whereas the lesser is um, brutal and aggressive, the mid-range narcissist is passive-aggressive makes a lot of use of silent treatments. The mid-range narcissist actually believes that he or she is a very good person. They often think that they're empathic. They think that they do good in the world and they're desperate to be seen as a good person. They want to be a pillar of the community, a member of the church, for example. And therefore, if people don't accept what they do, they respond in a passive aggressive way, smearing people behind their backs, giving them silent treatments, mm. uh, utilizing the assistance of other people. They're pretty cowardly individuals, but often very hard to spot because often people will just think that that person is perhaps a little highly strung or somewhat sensitive, or indeed comes across as an empath. And in those circumstances, there are many mid-range narcissists that lurk on the internet, um, masquerading us, uh, advisors on narcissistic abuse sites.
0: Oh, mm-hmm.
4: and, that's scary. Uh,
0: I feel indeed. like the mid rangers are really dangerous.
4: They are dangerous in the sense that although they are not particularly malicious, they're very difficult to spot. And their passive aggressive behavior means that they engage a lot in pity plays. And of course, empathic people want to heal and they want to fix. So they're able to draw victims in very readily. And basically have people feel sorry for them. Wow. And uh, ultimately, because they are obsessed with being seen as a good person, and they really do believe that they are, because of course they have a completely different perspective to everybody else, that they see people who don't do as they want as the abuser. <laughs> and therefore, um, a lesser narcissist will uh, doesn't see anything wrong with what he does. If he punches you in the face, you deserved it. There you are. There's nothing more to say. The mid-range narcissist will recognize that some of his behaviors upsets people, but will never own the consequence of it. Mm, so for we'll example- blame
0: it on somebody else.
4: That's right. So the mid-range narcissist having a greater degree of cognitive function may well say, for example, I know it hurts you when I don't speak to you for a week but if you didn't nag me, I wouldn't have to have time out. So they recognize it hurts, but they never own it. And they will either blame it on the victim or third parties or some external event, for example. They are quite apt at saying, I don't know what came over me. It must be the demons. (laughs) And they sometimes like to portray themselves as something of a troubled soul. Again, part of a pity play. And mid-range narcissists are dangerous because they, out of any school, are more likely... To go along with the suggestion of therapy not because they recognize that there is anything wrong with them but they do it as part of the manipulation and what mid-range narcissists often do is they will attend the therapy they will hoodwink the therapist and then return to the victim and tell the victim that the therapist said there's nothing wrong with the narcissist Oh my God. which may be a lie or if the therapist has been hoodwinked maybe true and then I actually turn around and say to the uh, victim. I've gone and done what you wanted. I sought therapy and they told me there's nothing wrong. But what they actually told me was you're the abuser. And so they then project and fire it back at the victim. Wow, and that's an out, out trade. And then finally, we have the greater narcissist. And the greater narcissist has awareness and knows what he or she is, but does not admit it readily and does not care about the consequences of the behavior that is exhibited to other people So whereas the lesser and mid-range have no idea what they are and do not see what they do as being particularly wrong and will not change, uh, they are configured in such a way that they just cannot see uh, the situation in the same way as a victim does, which is something that many victims struggle to understand, that there is this completely different perspective. Mm -hmm. The greater can straddle both worlds. Um, The lesser and the mid-ranger will often lie, but that is their truth. And they do not see that they have told a lie. They believe it to be true. The greater we lie repeatedly and we know that we're lying because it's all part of the manipulation and the playing of games, uh, we take it to a level whereby we derive particular pleasure and enjoyment in the mass manipulation of people, drawing them into our worlds. Mm. Great Greater narcissists are particularly charismatic, especially magnetic, invariably uh, successful. Um, and they may be uh, quite uh, evident in the sense that uh, it might be a particularly charismatic politician or pop star <laughs> or you may have the more Machiavellian side of things where you have the fixer who moves in the corridors of power a quite shadowy figure uh, who is pulling the strings here there and everywhere and isn't particularly bothered about uh, huge recognition on a uh, mass public scale but it takes recognition from uh, the impact he or she has on those around him within those particular uh, spheres. And greaters are motivated with malice also, which is a particular trait of theirs.
0: Amazing. Amazing. You should definitely listen to the entire episode, both episodes. And so I always ask, any final thoughts, any takeaways our listeners should have? Well, here's one from HG, which is still very relevant to me right now.
4: Essentially, what you need to bear in mind is we always want to make you think that it's your fault. It isn't. You should keep hold of that point. We control you by making you think that it's your fault, cause you to think that you've done something wrong, and you haven't. It's all what we have done for the purpose of manipulating you. Once you realize that, you can gain a handle in terms of creating this platform to establish your understanding. And the key thing to do is to read, read and understand, and then you'll be able to achieve freedom.
0: Have a great topic you'd like to hear discussed on an upcoming episode of Nothing Off Limits. Email us at ideas at ladyfoxentertainment.com. In the meantime, please subscribe, rate the show and go to ladyfoxentertainment.com to sign up for our email list and to check out our resources page. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next time.